everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today's guests are named Dr. Joyce Chet and Mercy Ballard, and together they wrote a cookbook called The Autoimmune Plant-Based Cookbook, and they're going to talk a little bit about their book and their recovery from autoimmune diseases and tell us actually how they eat to keep this at bay. So please welcome them to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us, Chef AJ. I actually met you years ago, but you don't remember me. Well, where did I meet you? Maybe I do. I I went to uh, True North and uh, did a water fast over their Christmas holiday. So I didn't get to try any of the food, but I just heard it was amazing. So that's where I met you. Well, thank you. Do you remember what year it was? Cause I was there for about 10 years before he canceled the holiday extravaganza. Okay. I think it was 2016. Uh, yeah. Uh, 2016. Yeah. Wow. Well, did you have a good experience at True North? Yeah, I did. It was, I did a, a seven day water fast and then a three day uh, break into food. And uh, it was it was interesting. It was good. It was hard on my system. Um, actually, when I went to years restored for her 10 day detox, I think like my results personally for me were were better. Like it just seemed like it was less uh, less stressful for my system. So, but I, I think it was a real interesting experience. I was really happy to have gone. That's great. So tell, t- tell us who you guys are, what you do together and about your book. Cause we'd love to hear a lot of people do have autoimmune diseases. They have food sensitivities. And I know you guys know a lot about both of those. Okay. Well, my name is Joyce Che and uh, I'm an ophthalmologist. I live in the Vancouver, Washington area. Um, I've been here for about 10 years and um I struggled with a lot of issues like chronic pain and progressive weakness for most of my adult life. Um, I had uh, exposure to an antibiotic called trovofloxacin, which is a fluoroquinolone that um, has a black box warning. Um, Now these like ciprofloxacin and those types of antibiotics and they can cause a lot of connective tissue issues for people. Um, And I guess it did for me and um, So I I struggled with a lot of those things for many years. And in 2011, I was diagnosed with leaky gut and uh, severe food sensitivities. And and I started an elimination diet, which was helpful. But then when I started trying to reintroduce food, um, I found that I was having issues and living in a moldy, you know, uh, house and apartments at times, I think that also contributed. So um, in 2016, I went to a Years Restored, which is a lifestyle center that um, Mercy started in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really expect very much because I was I had been on a whole foods plant-based diet for many, many years. I had um, I was now on an elimination diet. I had tried raw food diets and I tried so many different things. So I thought I knew quite a bit. And I was only going basically because um, I wanted to see how other people did lifestyle and that kind of thing, because I'm interested in helping people that way. I've been um, doing that for many years myself. And so when I went to the Years Restored program, um, it's a 10-day detox program. In the first five days, you're not eating anything. You're drinking a whole lot of things. You're drinking poultice. They call them poultice drinks. You're drinking juices, you're drinking herbal teas and these types of things. And so it's a very gentle detox. And on the third day, I woke up and went on a walk and I realized that um, I wasn't having pain. And I had come in with, you know, quite a bit of pain. And that had been, you know, so many of my uh, years for so many years. And, um, you know, I wasn't having the breathing issues because I was starting to have a lot of uh, shortness of breath and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, when I got those kinds of results, I just thought, well, I'm going to have to stick with this and do this. And, um, I became friends with mercy. Um, and we just, you know, started working together because I just felt like what she was doing was so valuable and helpful. 
Is, is the program, so Mercy, is, do you still have your program? Yeah, we do, we do. We started in 2013, January, and we've been having programs like every other month, and lately every month. And uh, so it's been busy, but uh, it's been a blessing because uh, for my own personal issues, my health issues, you know, my life changed. So I wanted to help people also to help them. And, you know, the something different about us is like we do plant-based, right? Because we have the paleo and we have, the other diets so we um start, we do the plant base yeah that that was one issue that we found when we were going through all of this i i was told like when i went to my functional medicine um doctor she said that the reason that i had my problem was because i was plant-based and so they were recommending bone broth and um you know it just seemed that what my diet was was to the medical community it was either like um you know my my diagnosis wasn't real maybe it was in my head or if they believed that i actually had food sensitivities because at the time it was something that a lot of people questioned um they felt like i needed to be on bone broth and and these types of things and so th that's why it was a lot of confusion for both of us and to have to do all this research mm -hmm. and figure out what to do. And at that time, the whole foods plant-based community, um, it, we didn't find a whole lot of research resources there either. And so that's why we uh, wrote the cookbook mm -hmm. and uh, we have that autoimmune uh, recovery plan, which is an online course to help people learn about this. Also, um, when I was um, trying to find answers for my problem, this dietitian told me, you're sick, you have anemia because you don't eat meat. Right. So for me, I grew up a vegetarian and I was uh, plant-based at that time uh, since, you know, I've been plant-based since 2000. And when I got sick was 2003, four and five and six. So, and she said that that was the reason. So I didn't find anything in the literature that, you know, lack of meat will cause anemia. So I was trying to just work, uh, working hard, doing a lot of research to find out what my problem was. So I should just let you know, Mercy uh, trained as a physician in Mexico. And then when she uh, immigrated to the United States, she's been working as uh, an infusion nurse, um, actually for autoimmune patients, ironically. Mm -hmm. So um, she's she has a lot of experience in autoimmune um, conditions and uh, helping patients as well, conventionally, as well as uh, with lifestyle which is nice. really hard. So Mercy, you've been plant-based since 2000. Uh, Dr. Cheb, when did you first go plant-based? Um, so I was brought up pretty much vegetarian. And as I got older, I got more and more plant-based because, you know, you can be vegetarian, kind of processed vegetarian. And then when I moved out of the house and went to medical school, uh, you know, it was pretty much like brown rice, and beans and some kind of veggie type of thing. It was very simple, but um, it, it was plant-based pretty much. And, um, and then as I got further along, it just became more educated. Um, it was a lot more, you know, these foods that we know to be like super nutritious, like kale and, and these types of things. But then I was also eating a lot of things like um, tofu, and um, you know veggie cheeses and these types of things that are more processed, and um, and I found too when I developed these food sensitivities, I I had food sensitivities to foods that were good like kale. Kale, something that I'm super sensitive to, it makes my my um, me develop a goiter, and so it's like uh, um, some of us who develop these food sensitivities, it's, it's pretty bizarre because, you know, it's food that everybody would think would be helpful. What do you think? A lot of people seem to have food sensitivities, even if they follow a whole food plant-based diet. What do you think seems to cause it in most people? How can people diagnose it? And, and what do you do about it? You know, I feel that um, people in the plant-based are uh, in as equal as the meat eaters, you know, the percentage of sensitivities. 
And, you know, there's many reasons. Um, so one of the reasons is because of the lectin in the, in the grains and the seeds and the legumes, and they don't eat these plant-based foods in the right way. So uh, something that we do is we remove all these lectins the way we process our foods. Uh, and then, so then okay. it's not a problem. So when she say the way that we remove the lectins, it would be by soaking and sprouting. And that way, when you're soaking it, you decrease the lectins. These lectins are what they call anti-nutrients. They can bind to the intestinal wall and uh, cause some intestinal damage that way. And so foods that are higher in lectins are gonna be your plant-based foods, like your grains, your seeds, your nuts, your beans. And so we just soak everything. And that's pretty much the hallmark of what we do including like when we make bread and when we make tortillas and whatever it is that we do, it's going to be soaked and sprouted. And so um, that's one thing that we found to be really, really helpful. So you asked like, what is it that causes people to be developing food sensitivities and autoimmune disease right now? Yeah. So right now we are having an epidemic of people having autoimmune disease. I mean, when I was going to med school, when I was younger, it was a pretty uncommon thing. And now it's like almost every other person has digestive issues, mm -hmm. uh, autoimmune conditions, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. It's like almost every other person I speak with has, has that. And, and, you know, even your typical traditional arthritis has some kind of autoimmune component. We're finding, you know, autoimmune it just basically means that your body is attacking self for one or another reason. There's some reason why the body is having some confusion. And we know that all disease has to do with inflammation. And uh, what has been happening, I think, with industrialized agriculture over the last few decades with so much glyphosate in the environment, so much glyphosate in our foods, we're being exposed to so many antibiotics, uh, so much stress in the environment. And so there are a lot of um, these things and it could be also, you know, other things that we don't think about as far as like medications and um, other toxins, because uh, we know that toxins, heavy metals, all of these things are associated. And I think that we are just being inundated with them. And so we're not able to tolerate as much as we used to. Yeah. So people are asking a lot of questions about your place, Mercy, like where is it exactly and how like, can they come and things like that. We have a website and our website is yearsrestored.com and they can find information there. Um, I also want to mention that we do, we like to do a lot of raw foods. So we do about 70% foods because we believe that the vitamins and the enzymes are alive, alive, right? So we want to do a lot of fresh foods. So we do about 30% uh, cook. And there is some foods that should be cooked and some foods should be raw. So it's yeah. very important to make that distinction. And you know, that was something that, um, if you do the raw food diet, right? Some, some of these really popular things that taste good and you might feel okay initially, um, you're gonna find that over time you might have some issues. Like for instance, like people love uh, this raw oatmeal. They'll do overnight oats. Mm -hmm. And for one thing is that oats are high in lectins. The other thing is that um, if you don't cook these grains, um, you're not going to break, they're not going to be hydrolyzed, these starches enough. And so uh, there was one study that was looking at uh, images of what happened to these starches as they enter into the intestinal wall, and they can actually go into the bloodstream and cause little tiny strokes, little tiny, what they call micro infarcts. And um, you get that when you don't cook your grains long enough. And so we soak and we sprout. We do not do any raw grains at all. And we think the same thing for your starchy vegetables. Like um, I, I remember I went to a restaurant where they were serving uh, this rice. They called it rice where they grated a raw yam. 
And so we wouldn't want to do that either because that's a starchy vegetable. You'd want to cook that as well. Also legumes, you know, some people just sprout them and eat them raw. Mm -hmm. So that's how I used to do that. So there is a lot of people that because they don't cook the, you know, they don't um, process right, the grains, they're very sick. So that's very important for us to do it right. And everything, the zero grains, you cook different, the the grains are different. So everything is is just every detail counts. And uh, so I I feel that one of the reasons why the paleo can be successful is because they said no grains, right? But it should be addressed that you can eat the grains, but if you eat it in the right way. If you do no grains and no beans, I think too, right? Um, and we've had people on the paleo diet who have come to the program. We had one lady who was a type one diabetic since like her teens. And she was now in her fifties. She just came this January, this last January. And so she was a type one diabetic on 35 units of insulin. And she was also a Hashimoto's thyroiditis patient. And oh, she's a lady who's really super active, really bright. She owns like 70 some acres, horseback rider, all these things. And for the last number of years, she's been in bed and she's not able to do anything. And um, she came to the program, 10 day program. And within, I met her on the fifth day because I I go a a few times a year and um, I met her on the fifth day and um, she was out walking with people and by the time she went home, I mean, it's not like she didn't have, she didn't have to work at it, but um, she, this year, she, she's back to riding her horses. She went on her first vacation in years. You know, she, every time she talks about it, she cries. Cause she's like, you know, I got my life back. And so, and she's someone who was on the paleo diet. She was eating mostly salad, a little bit of meat, you know, and, um, but it made a huge difference. And Mercy worked really hard on, on, on this. Every mm-hmm. night, her blood sugar dropped too low, and Mercy would have to like fly in and, and help get her blood sugars back up. And so it, it's something that does take um, someone with a lot of skill. Yeah, and this lady was a lady that she said that sometimes she had to wait for her husband to bring her water so she can drink because yeah. she was so weak to get out of bed. So now she's uh, doing a lot of, you know, in the vacation, running in the beach and- Yeah, riding her bike. She sent us a picture and yeah. So we've got lots of questions. People are asking, well, are beans in a can okay? Like if they're salt-free and should you, if you're going to cook oats, do you still have to soak them before you cook them? Right, right. So I'm gonna show you. So this is buckwheat for instance, and I soaked this, I started soaking this two days ago. So I soaked this two days ago and then I rinsed it out the next morning and they've been sprouting. And so I'll probably use this to make like a a raw uh, granola that we have in our uh, cookbook. We do this for everything. Like we do this, if if we were gonna eat oats, uh, we we would do this for our oats as well before we cooked it. and uh, so we have a lot of these mason jars around and we do this for our sunflower seeds. We do this for our pumpkin seeds. These are the staples of what we do. And when we're first starting out, we actually tell people, and you'll see this all in the cookbook. In the first part of the cookbook, we tell people what they should cut out while they're trying to heal. That includes things like grains, like oats and rice and that kind of thing. And we use instead like buckwheat, quinoa and amaranth, which are pseudograins and uh, are a little easier on the digestive system. And we also cut out nuts in the beginning and we use the sunflower and the pumpkin seeds while we're trying to heal. Yeah, something very important also is that we have people tested to, for some food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Stool tests seem to be the best. Yeah, Mercy really had good results with Entero Lab, and they're based out of Texas, E-N-T-E-R-O-Lab.com. And um, you don't need a doctor's prescription. If you call them and you order the comprehensive panel, you can ask them to throw in the malabsorption study for free, and they will do that. Um, at least they have been doing that, which is a 
a good deal. We realize that a lot of people are sensitive to five things, right? Uh, usually it's uh, gluten is pretty much almost everybody. Then second is the oats. And the oats, you know, people that come to our center, they're eating oats every day, every single day, every single day. And they're very so what is it about oats? I, I never understood this attraction. It's like, so, you know, I eat vegetables for breakfast. I don't understand people. It's like they're addicted to eating, especially the raw oats. People seem to like them better when they're not cooked, I guess, because they're more calorically dense, but it's like oatmeal and fruit. It's like, that's all people want to eat for breakfast. And when I go around the world, they're not eating oats and fruits for breakfast. They're eating beans and rice or beans and greens, or, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, what has happened in this country where like oatmeal is it? And that's it. Like the only thing people can think of. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I used to be one of those people. <laughs> and, and we like to rotate also because we want to feed different bacteria, right? We want to have the diversity of bacteria to, to be in a good health. So we, you know, switch every pseudograms. We eat a lot of pseudograms. So what we do in the cookbook is that the first part of the cookbook, we explain what's happening. And then the second part of the cookbook, we, um, that's where we start with the recipes and we have a seven day meal plan. So it says recipes for the seven day meal plan. And it starts with um, a buckwheat recipe. And I've, waffles. oh yeah, buckwheat waffle recipe. And we show you what breakfast and lunch looks like for seven days. So you get an idea of like, this is what a complete meal looks like. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I was saying that there's five things that we found that find that people are sensitive, the most problematic foods, mm -hmm. gluten, oats, uh, yeast, more and more people are testing positive to yeast, uh, then we have the soy and the corn. So we see that those are very problematic foods. So, um, so when the, you know people are surprised because that's the staple foods they eat. So, but more and more people now are being sensitive also to nightshades. Um, so I think it's because they have so much inflammation. Yeah, they have so much. But, but do you think that possibly? Because uh, I'm actually allergic to soy. But do you think that the reason so many people seem to have a sensitivity to corn and soy is because they're the very heavily genetically modified crop? Oh yeah, right, definitely, definitely. And and the thing is, if you're not eating organic, right? Um, everything is sprayed with with Roundup. So even if it's not genetically modified everything like your beans, all these things are being sprayed with glyphosate so that it can desiccate that field and it's much easier to harvest. And so it's really important. I know that eating organic doesn't cover all of it, but it will decrease the amount of glyphosate that you're exposed to. And so that's why another hallmark of what we do is we teach people how to be very consistent. So I have not eaten out at a restaurant I probably eat at a restaurant like once a year because it's just, for me, it's not worth it. Like the last time I tried and I'd be like, okay, is this gluten-free? Is this whatever? And I went home and by the time I got home, I could hear myself breathing. And so it just, for me, it's just not worth that. And I enjoy my food. I don't miss, you know, not feeling good. And so uh, we just teach people how to be consistent with what they're doing and um, to, to value their good health. Also, we use uh, zero processed foods. So we don't buy anything that is in the can or anything that is, even if it's veggies or whatever healthy things that people might think we don't we, because there's chemicals, there's so many things they put in there. Yeah. It's, and so we do everything from scratch and, um, and it really, you know, makes a big difference. It's, it's a totally different way of looking at food, especially if you're sick and, you know, you have cancer, you have autoimmune, you're trying to get your life back. And some people are like, oh, it's just too much work. Um, but it's not. You just get used to a totally different way of thinking about food and uh, it, you feel great. Like for me, considering all the issues that I've had, and I've had more than what I'm telling you, um, for me to be able to, to work, um, I, you know, to take care of everything that I am, if people knew what I was doing, all the things that I'm doing, they, you know, my doctors tell me they're amazed I'm not in bed 
you know, because I have, I have labs that don't look good, but I'm able to have energy and do things. And mercy, mercy has been in remission for years and years and years. You know, you mentioned uh, yeast. Did, what what did you mean by yeast? Did you mean like yeast, the kind that's like in bread, or do you mean like nutritional yeast or bake? What do you mean? Both yeasts. Yeah. Because um, a lot of vegetarians, they love this nutritional yeast, and I know it tastes really yummy. Um, but yeah, you know these yeasts. We we were making breads with yeast, and I tried getting in touch with these companies to find out how they produce these yeasts and how they make these yeasts, and it's it's a secret um, uh, trademark trade secret that they can't tell you exactly what they use either, and so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and we found out, you know, to make the yeast grow, they use wheat products, which, which we cannot have it. And sometimes they're GMOs. Uh, it can be different. So we, we don't safe. miss it yeah. because we make our own bread. It's really easy. Mercy has been working on this for years. And so we make a flat bread and like, this is what it looks like. It looks like a dinner roll. And, um, you know, you just make it with like a blender or food processor. You can use either buckwheat or um, quinoa and, um, and blend these things up. You put it in the oven and um, I, make, I make a batch every week or two and I put it in the freezer. And, uh, you know, when I serve them to my sister's family, because my sister, even though she's gluten sensitive and intolerant she had a hard time giving bread up she was just like Joyce I know that when I eat bread I'm going to break out and have eczema but I just I'm willing to take that cost right and uh when I give her my bread she actually really liked it she and my nephews and so it's not like you're you're um you're gonna miss it I don't think and it's sprouted also see this so the bread we do is sprouted and then we we make a sprouted um, tortilla also. Mm -hmm. So this tortilla, uh, Mercy just came up with this recipe the other night. Because right now we have a tortilla at Homeless Market. It uses, oh, Mercy, can you grab that one? It uses um, sprouted quinoa, right? And so this is being produced at the factory. And um, they use sprouted organic quinoa. And potatoes. Super flexible. Everybody loves the flavor. It's just that the ingredients are expensive. And so they're pricey. So we're trying to come up with something that's um, more uh, affordable, affordable. <laughs> with still good ingredients. And so Mercy came up with this one just recently. So we're gonna um, hopefully get this. This has um, sprouted organic buckwheat. And um, so it hopefully will be going out. Hey, Dr. Che, can I ask you about being an ophthalmologist? Are mm -hmm. there any diseases that can be prevented or made better by a plant-based diet? And what kind of things are you seeing in your practice? Okay, so this is the thing about eye diseases. And, and that is that many times these eye diseases happen very, very gradually. So it's really, really difficult to measure, but we do know that um, in a lot of these studies that have to do with lifestyle, diet, and eye diseases, that it's always like, uh, if the more fruits and veggies that you eat, the less risk of progression, whether it's macular degeneration or glaucoma or, or, or that type of thing. Um, so we know that. I don't think that there's been any studies that have been looking at um, meat protein uh, specifically uh, versus plants. I'm trying to remember. It's been like 10 years since I've been out in clinical practice, correct? Right now, mostly all that I do is operate. Um, but back when I used to go to a lot of these um, uh, conferences, there was always, always a positive benefit of eating colored fruits and vegetables on eye disease, whether it's cataract, glaucoma, macular degeneration. Um, you know, eye disease is simply a localized manifestation of a systemic problem, right? 
And that's what many of these diseases are. It's like whatever your weak organ is, what if you have like a genetic predisposition or this type of thing, that's where it's going, your disease is going to manifest. But it's a manifestation of you having many times a systemic problem. So even if you have a genetic predisposition for something, a congenital problem, how quickly it develops how severely it develops is going to be impacted by your diet and your lifestyle. And the best thing that you can do for it would be to eat a diet that is going to give you tons of nutrients and not give you the inflammatory things. And see, that's what an animal diet will do. It'll give you a lot of inflammatory compounds like the lipo, what is that? LPS, lipopolysaccharide, uh, which is a, a really potent endotoxin that you cannot cook out of your mm -hmm. meat or your dairy products and that kind of thing. And then what you're getting with the plant foods is that especially if you're eating them raw, you're going to be getting a lot more enzymes. You're going to be getting a lot more things to feed your microbiome and improve that microbiome and the variability, the composition of the microbiome, um, especially if you grow your own plants. So we encourage a lot of people to at least grow their own herbs if, they're, if they don't have a garden and that kind of thing. Just the more that you can do to get out and interact with nature and have food that has interacted with nature recently, um, you're going to do a lot better. When you say all you do is operate, which, what, which operation are you doing? Like cataract or? Mostly cataract, some glaucoma. I, I was working as a glaucoma specialist for about 10 years. Um, prior to coming here. And now I'm mostly cataract with some. Well, we actually have a question from Angela. Do you treat many patients with glaucoma, specifically normal tension glaucoma, NTG? Yes. And if so, any nutritional advice? Okay, so this is the thing about normal tension glaucoma. Um, anytime you have glaucoma, the only thing that we know in conventional medicine to do is to lower the eye pressure. So they will do everything to get your pressure as low as possible. So if your pressure started up like at 30, which is high, it can drop to 10 really easily and your risk will drop quite dramatically. But if you always had a pressure of around 16, right? And now you're trying to drop it down to 10, you can't drop it much lower. It's kind of like having a flat tire. You need a certain amount of pressure for your tire to function. So when you have normal tension glaucoma, it is basically a sick eye and a sick body. You want to be figuring out where is that root cause? What is happening? And uh, that's why, like, you know, me at this point, with everything that I've gone through, you, you want to look at everything. You want to look at, do you have any food sensitivities that might be contributing? Uh, do you have Inflammation, look for other inflammatory markers than conventional medicine may be testing for. Um, I, I would just look at everything. I had a spinal cord injury. And um, ever since that spinal cord injury, I've had issues where my teeth will impact my spine. And I'm realizing that this trigeminal nerve, this vagal nerve, when this is so irritated, I have malabsorption. It's affecting my gut which is, you know, it makes sense because all these nerves have to go through the neck. And if the neck is really out, um, you're gonna have possibly some issues. And so that may contribute if you have severe neck problems. If you're someone in sympathetic mode, if you have, for instance, if you have sleep apnea and all night, your body thinks you're about to die. You're not getting enough oxygen, that's going to put you into sympathetic mode. That's going to be something that's going to contribute to your problem. And that does contribute to, to glaucoma. So there are a lot of different things that you have to look at. And uh, uh, when, when, we, when you go to the doctor and they say, well, your pressure is better with this eye drop, that's only one, um, one part of the puzzle. Are, are cataracts inevitable as we age? Does everyone get them? Not everybody, um, but it's something that has to do with uh, accelerated aging. Uh, we do have a lot more younger people getting cataracts nowadays, it seems. Um, so it is something that's gonna happen if you've been exposed to certain drugs. 
for instance, steroids. If, if you've been on uh, steroids, whether it's topical because of eczema around your face or that kind of thing or oral. Oh my. Uh, what about inhaled? Like what about an asthmatic inhaled steroids? That would possibly be a risk as well. Oh my God. I was just diagnosed with an, with a, like the beginning of one and I've been vegan for 43 years. So I was really upset, but I, I have been yeah. on those. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just so afraid of every kind of surgery. Like if just because you have one, does that mean it's you have to have the operation or like, can you ever no, just, do that? you, you have the surgery done when it, when your cataract gets to the point where you can't correct it with glasses any further, and it's just impacting your, your quality of life. You know, I, because of my issues with the TMJ and my spine and everything, Whenever I would eat, the chewing would cause my blood sugar to jump to like 200. And um, I was in sympathetic mode. And um, I, have, I have early cataracts too. And so, but right now I have good vision. It's just that I can tell, you know, and um, it impacts me a little bit at night and that kind of thing. And so, Many of us younger people are developing cataracts because I, I think of all the, the technology that we're being exposed to, this radiation, um, stress, blood sugars, lower nutritional um, status, a lot of things. Because wow. even if we're vegan, even if we're vegan, it's not like we, we have like these superfoods, the foods that they're growing even in organic uh, farms, it's not like they're perfectly mineralized and all of that, you know, and so... You know, I recently interviewed, I recently, I don't know if you know, Dr. Ron Weiss, he is in, he's a medical doctor who's plant-based in New Jersey at, at Ethos Farms. And he's also a regenerative farmer. And he was saying that even organic can still have these pesticides. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be less. It's going to be less than conventional, definitely. But organic is something that I think sometimes, um, they get that certification, but it doesn't always mean that this is like super duper healthy. Not as if you were to grow your own food. I, I just moved into a place and I have a garden and we started juicing from it over this last, um, the last few months. And, you know, it just really does give you a lot of energy to be getting food um, straight from your garden or from your orchard or that kind of thing. It makes a difference. You can taste the difference and it makes a difference in your health. Absolutely. Monarch says, what about extended blue screen exposure? Would that also cause cataracts? Extended loose what? Blue screen, the, a blue screen. Oh, okay. You know, I, I haven't researched that recently, but I would imagine that, you know, there's going to be a, an effect from everything that we're doing. It's going to be compounded. And so it's hard to prove some of these things. Uh, one lady came in and she's like, I, you know, I have a microwave that's like right here and I'm cooking and the microwave's going and I think that's why I developed my cataract. And it's like, I can't, I, I don't know if I've researched every single thing that would contribute, but I would definitely say that if you're around sources of radiation, any source of radiation that it, could have an impact. I went through a period where I was extremely sensitive to um, EMF because of this spinal cord injury. And I was, when you get to that point where you're so debilitated and your body cannot tolerate anything, I became like an EMF meter. I could tell when there was, you know, dirty electricity in the room, I would have pain. And um, I actually had blood vessels that would burst and my arm became really edematous and, you know, it's just, um, this is something that's a very real thing. And just because you can't feel it, it's invisible. We get kind of get used to having it around. Um, but I think all of it impacts us. There's a question if wearing sunglasses slows the cataracts. Yeah. I, I mean, all of the, the UV light is going to impact a lot of different things, including just like having a pterygium. You've seen people develop this uh, abnormal growth over the, the white of their eye and it extends into their cornea sometimes. That's a pterygium. And that develops a lot of times because of UV light exposure as well as wind and you know dryness and inflammation. And so uh, 
um, all of these things are going to contribute to eye health. Do you ever get a chance with your patients to, to counsel them on nutrition or once they're there, they're just there for the surgery? Um, when I was in clinical practice, I did. And, um, you know, when I worked, I worked at the VA part-time, I worked at private practice part-time. And so at private practice, you know, I'd have to see like 20, 30 patients, uh, sometimes in a morning, it was like crazy. And so you're just having to, you know, plant little seeds. And I would try to find out who's interested because not everyone's interested in, in learning about lifestyle. And if I did find some people interested, then I would try to just help them get to their next, the next point, you know? Um, so it's a limited amount that I could do, but at the VA, I had more time with people and I would actually try to spend more time talking with them. And there were people, even in private practice, like, you know, just from having a conversation, I had a lady, she dropped like 10 pounds a month. She dropped like 30 pounds by the time I'd seen her in three months later. And um, I had a man who he, I think he dropped like a total of 30, 40 pounds over the time that I was seeing him and his wife dropped 70 pounds and she got off of her diabetes medications and uh, had some people stop smoking. And that's all very rewarding, but it does take a lot of time. People aren't interested a lot of times. And so you have to be highly motivated. Right. Mercy, here's a, a couple of questions for Mercy. First of all, people are going to the website and they're not quite figuring out where your center is located, but Rose is asking if you could share a couple of success stories from the center. Yeah. Um, okay. Last time, last program, um, we had a lady that was a stage four um, heart. So it's congestive heart, heart failure. Yeah. And uh, so she was sleeping, sitting, down right with three pillows or sitting for when you several have digestive years. heart failure you can't breathe because you have all this fluid that's filling up and she also had food sensitivities so many issues so it could be that you also have uh you know your body's attacking your heart well and if you don't have good heart function you don't have good intestinal function you're going to have some infarcts and these kinds of things you're going to have leaky gut so um by the day five uh, she said that she didn't need the pillows anymore. So she was just able to sleep like a normal person because after three years, so she was super excited about that. And that uh, all her digestive issues were, you know, improving greatly. But that was an amazing story for us because she was a stage four uh, heart, congestive heart failure and the doctor told her that she had till April, next year, April to leave. So... That was very sad, but you know, she started getting better and actually she just got married like a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and uh, they, she sent me a text that she's, they like how they feeling. They feeling better and better because she and the fiance at that time and the mom came. So the three of them came uh, together. And uh, so it was, a, it was a blessing. So that's, that's one story. She has so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, her first story, you should tell them the first story of how you even started the Lifestyle Center. Yeah, uh, when I recovered, I was so excited to tell my story to anybody that want to hear. So I will take my, my patients from my conventional, conventional job and 95% would could care less. But then when I went to this lady and she said she was praying for many years to send somebody to help her. And because he was, she was going to Houston Hospital from Dallas to the most specialized doctors because she was having blood transfusions like every month because uh, she was having serious uh, colon. She had either Crohn's or ulcerative mm -hmm. colitis. Yes, they weren't sure. And so when I went there, I said, well, she, said, she was a nurse in her late 30s and, I, and with a walker. And I said, well, so what is your, what is your story? So I, I was going to be with her like a, three hours. So she told me everything. And I said, well, do this, do something. Try, uh, do the test, the food sensitivity test that we recommend in lab, and then go plant-based, no process, um, organic, organic. No. And let, you know, and did you tell her no gluten? No gluten. And uh, so she did the test immediately, stop all those foods that were causing a problem when 100% plant-based, 100% non-processed, 100% organic. And then I saw her in three months. Yeah, in three months again. Um, 
And when, when I saw her, I said, wow, um, she was a different person. She didn't uh, need a walker and she was pink and she was very straight, very with a lot of, you know, I mean, her life was, was so much life in her. And then I said, well, what happened? Well, I did the test and I ate like you told me to eat and I stopped eating all those foods. And she was like a, a different person, only only six weeks. It wasn't three months, it was six weeks because every three weeks, some, some of us will give her a medication, an infusion. So I, I missed that one because they sent somebody else and they sent me the second time, which was six weeks. And uh, she, she was just a different person. It was just, just amazing. And she needed, she did not need any more blood transfusions. She, when I left Texas, she was walking 11 miles. So to me, that was very shocking. Like, wow, am I discovering something? I had no idea that anybody was doing something like this because nobody could help me. Nobody, when I was sick, there was nobody, no doctor that could tell me what I had. So, um, so that's how I decided, okay, I better do a lifestyle center where I can help people that are so sick for so many years. She was sick for 17 years. So, um, so this was a very, very um, amazing story that it really made me do something <laughs> to help others. That's great. Um, Lisa wants to know, is it necessary to have anesthesia for cataract surgery? Uh, yeah, we do. We don't do general anesthesia. We do topical, local. You can either do eye drops um, to keep the area numb, or you can do a block to keep the area to keep the eye still. And um, so we do one or the others. I, I just, I just, the whole thing about somebody cutting into my eye just freaks me out. I had radial keratotomy a long time ago, and I don't, oh, I, 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 I don't, I mean, I don't know how I did that when I think about it because it's just like. <laughs> Somebody was, I, I must've just been you, desperate to not. You were highly motivated, highly motivated. I think so. Cause I want, you know what it was is I, I had, I had a dry eye. I, I couldn't wear contacts. It's just, I couldn't keep a contact in. And I didn't want to get married wearing glasses. I just, you know, I didn't. Oh and, yeah. But you know, that, that I know that that they're not, they're not doing arcane anymore because it was replaced by laser, but are there ramifications for people like me that like were early adopters to this surgery? Like are, are bad things going to happen? I, I'm 60 now. So are bad things going to happen you know, to me as a result? We, we do cataract surgery for RK patients, it just, um, you tend to have a little bit more unstable of a result. And so you might have a little bit more visual instability for a little while and see, until things calm down. And it can be a little bit more challenging to calculate the lens. And so you might have what they call a refractive surprise where, you know, we calculated for something and then we end up with you being a little off of that. And so that is a possibility, but we, you know, um, we do see quite a few patients uh, who've had RK or who've had LASIK. And so it's just something that you have to take into consideration when you do it. Well, I don't like any kind of surprises, let alone a re refractive surprise. That does not sound great to me, but uh, yeah, ho hopefully, hopefully I will outlive my need for having to have this. I'm a big baby when it comes, I mean, I can't even get my teeth cleaned without anesthesia. So uh, oh. Oh, Monarch says, do you have any eye exercises you can suggest? That's a great question. You know, I don't, ophthalmologists, I'm really sorry. We're not, we don't, I, I think if you went to an optometrist, they might have some eye exercises, you know, but I, I really don't know of any eye exercise, but that's not a bad idea, you know? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know of any eye exercises. That's okay, I just wanna thank. Roberts for her generous super chat donation. Thank you so much. So here's a question. Can you explain about bluff, bluff, blepharitis, Layla says? Uh -huh. Blepharitis? Yeah, so blepharitis, it's like almost every person that I saw when I was in clinical practice had blepharitis. And it's basically where you have um, uh, bacteria build up and, and you have what they call scurf. You have like it looks like matter around the eyelashes, uh, the eyelids. And um, so what we have you do is that we have you do lid scrubs and um, e e either you can get some that you can purchase or you can um, take some baby shampoo and uh, put a Q-tip in it and then wash around the eyes, try to get off that bacteria and that kind of thing. But you know, all this stuff with, with um, 
with blepharitis, with any of these chronic problems, I really believe that it really can improve with changes in your diet and lifestyle. You know, as you're, as you are drinking more water, you know, with what we do in the cookbook, we recommend that people do a lot of flaxseed and even some chia seed. And these would be really good sources of omega-3. And you'll find, I have found personally that the days that I don't get my flaxseed, that I can feel it in my eyes. My eyes are much less comfortable. I have, a, I have dry eyes myself. And so when, I, when I'm doing the flaxseed and um, uh, I'm aware of these issues, drinking lots of water, all that kind of stuff, I'm so much more comfortable. And I, I think that that's gonna carry over into these things like blepharitis, um, because these are reactive issues. Our body is reacting to something that is causing inflammation. And so we're just taking care of the symptoms as we do these things. But if we would try to look to see, hey, what's causing all this inflammation? Let's try to do something about that inflammation. You're gonna automatically then have less that you're gonna have to clean up after, if that makes sense. So uh, Carla or Carola, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, says if one has cataracts, what's the best way to rid them? You can't get rid of them, right? They don't like just go back to the way it was, do they? Well, or can they? Some people, you know, they do studies uh, with certain compounds that they're trying to research if it does help with uh, cataract reversal. I think once you get to a certain point of cataracts, definitely you'll, you'll just need cataract surgery. And, and the issue is this, the issue is like these things develop pretty, you know, slowly. Sometimes they can really accelerate. Um, so it's really hard to study and say, is this for sure definitively helped or not? But we know that our diet and lifestyle contribute. We know that drugs contribute. So when you start to develop this cataract, you have to figure out what's happening. And, and what people do, most people say, well, I'm already on a vegan diet. I'm already in a, on a healthy diet. Well, if that vegan healthy diet got you to this point, maybe you still have to change something and improve somewhere else, you know? And so that's how I would look at it. Um, if you do develop a cataract, I, I just would encourage people, you know, do everything that you can with these natural remedies. Like Mercy, she wanted me to try, you know, doing some onion broth tea and washing my eyes with that and um, doing something anti-inflammatory around the eyes. And I think there's, it, it's, you, you don't know if it's gonna help or not. Right now we haven't done those studies, right? But it doesn't hurt to do it. And it might buy you some time. And eating well is gonna buy you some time. All of these things are gonna buy you some time. But if you do end up needing cataract surgery, I just don't feel like you, you failed, you know? Because we just, we live in an imperfect world. We're being exposed to things all the time. It's a miracle by the grace of God that we are able to function as well as we do and get along with the toxins that we have. And so, yeah. I agree. Sherry says, what can you share about ocular migraines? Uh, okay, so ocular migraines, migraines in general, I think that uh, people aren't sure exactly what causes them. We do know that they might be associated with some vascular instability and um, food sensitivities may be involved. Uh, there may be some kind of, um, some people have some uh, neck issues that can be contributing to these types of things as well. So whatever is going to be causing some of these um, vascular issues. Um, I haven't dealt with anyone with ocular migraines in a long time. It's been about 10 years since I've done that, but just from what we have, have been doing with all these other chronic issues, um, what we're doing here would be a good start with trying to help with the leaky gut and all of that. Have you helped anyone with migraines or ocular migraines? Uh, migraines, but I, I'm not sure. About ocular migraines, it, it's just basically, you don't get the, maybe the, the headache as much, but you're getting the visual mm -hmm. type of phenomenon that you get with um, migraines. And so I would think that it would be a similar type of thing. So if you had, have you had success with people with migraines with this? Yeah. Um, 
you know, a lot of people have this, this is usually something that's affecting you in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. It can be, a lot of people have autoimmune disorders that are affecting vision also. They have double vision and uh, they can have, you know, the vision goes, what they call when they go on different. It's your business. Yeah, exactly. So for people like that, if it's related to autoimmune, so we, this is what we do. So to decrease our inflammation. And I've seen some people that have improved uh, in that regard. Um, so, but it's, you know. That like, one physician, she was having some migraines and we're still trying to figure out with her what's contributing to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So I think, you know, some of these issues is multi-layered mm -hmm. and, you know, your diet, I think is just a good starting point. What it'll do, this anti-inflammatory way of eating, it will just give you a baseline that you can say, okay, if I'm if I get all this inflammation out, what will that do for me? And then that gives you a baseline there. And then it gives you somewhere to go for like, okay, if this isn't helping enough, then I need to look here and just keep on looking to see where is my source of inflammation. And that's where I would look for people who help with these things like chiropractors and, you know, other, uh, you know, um, therapists and practitioners and that type of thing. Look, look for other types of labs that they do that they don't do in conventional medicine and looking for inflammation. And uh, so I try a number of different modalities. Great. But True says, can I heal from Hashimoto's by eating a plant-based diet? And the question was to either of you guys do any virtual kind of counseling? Yeah, we do have, a. Um, if you go to our website, um, if you sign up for the online course, uh, we have where you can sign up to get um, a consultation with us um, for an additional fee. But that online course, what it includes is that we are on every Sunday to, to talk to people and to coach them through their issues. Uh, every Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for the people who join our course. And so that's basically like, you know, um, we'll answer all your questions, any questions that you have, because um, we want people to make progress. That's one thing like, you know, you can learn these things, but then you, you do need uh, some help because you're going to have questions along the way. Right. There's two questions about salt. One was, do you make your tortillas without salt because somebody's a kidney patient? And then Kay says, does added salt cause inflammation to the eyes? Okay, so this is the thing. Oh, I want to say with the Hashimoto's, we have a lot of people coming through with Hashimoto's who have significant improvement. Their antibodies improve. Uh, we have one lady who was on um, this for a year and her um, uh, thyroid peroxidase autoantibodies went from like over 300 down to like 30 or something like that. And so uh, we, and that, that first lady that I told you with the diabetes, she also had Hashimoto's and she was the one that was just doing great. And so Hashimoto's is a real common thing that can improve with changing your diet. Um, you might get better just doing whole foods plant-based. But then there might be another group that needs to do something like what we're doing, because this is even much more anti-inflammatory than just whole foods plant-based. And then with the salt, Mercy likes, uh, uh, what do you use? Himalayan. Yeah, we, we use Himalayan, but we realized in the last program that we had, we had a stage four also um, kidney. kidney. Yeah, stage four kidney. So, you know, with these people, they can have a, uh, retention, right? So swelling legs, things like that. And also the lady that had a stage four congestive heart failure, um, we were, she was telling me that if she uses the regular salt and, you know, canned foods, things like that, then she gets the problem. But like if she uses the refined salt, refined salt. you get like the Morton salt, that kind of thing, she'd have issues. But if she uses a Celtic salt, she has absolutely no issues. So I generally use uh, Himalaya, but uh, in this case, I, I got, I, you know, I was providing her with this salt because I didn't want her to retain her fluids and because she's a stage four congestive heart failure. So I was checking her weight every day. She did great. And we do eat, we put salt in our foods, uh, but you know, this is the, the real salt, the, the real yeah. salt that has a lot of minerals that doesn't have, doesn't impact 
in a swelling at more the issues yeah. heart issues the thing about if you don't get salt is is that you might not be getting some minerals as well because nowadays like when they do agriculture they're only adding a few minerals back to the food so that it looks okay when it grows and so you're not getting a whole lot of minerals I don't think from the food. I think nowadays a problem that we're having is not just, you know, are you getting too much fat, too much protein, this kind of thing is, are you getting enough minerals? You know, do you get enough magnesium, all these other things? And if you're not adding it back to your food, then um, how are you going to get it? Um, and so when you, when you get like salt, like I use real salt from um, Utah, uh, Mercy uses Himalayan, you can get some Celtic, that kind of thing. You get a lot more minerals than just sodium and chloride. And uh, a big difference. And you find too, like when they do studies on salt, a lot of times they're not doing studies with uh, salt that has been unrefined. They're using the refined salt, you know, with uh, with no salt. Maybe I I don't know, but it's usually um, the the refined salt that they're using. I don't think I've seen any where they've used like sea salt or or that kind of thing. Have There's you? No, I, I don't yeah. eat salt, but for other reasons. So I just don't, I don't like it personally. And, you know, yeah. I, I follow Dr. Goldhammer's way of eating. So because most people that I work with are food addicts and overweight, and it just seems to really stimulate the appetite. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I the research understand. I looked at 11% more calories consumed when eating salt. So it's just, yeah. So, but um, no, yeah, I understand. I struggled with uh, an eating problem for most of my life. So I understand it. Um, somebody asked, what is T have, have you heard of TED thyroid eye disease? That's a new yeah. one for me. Thyroid eye disease is basically when you have graves or hyperthyroidism and it causes you to develop, um, abnormal thickening of the muscles around the eyeball. And so you'll have these protruding eyes. They won't be able to close that well sometimes. And people will need to have, uh, medications, radiation, and sometimes even surgery. Um, yeah, it can be really, really distressing. So this is something that comes about because of a thyroid condition. And uh, we had someone who came this year with uh, hyperthyroidism and he was on a medication for it. He had to get off of it during the program because his labs came back in and they found that his liver was being affected. Um, so, but with this program, he has been able to be off of his medications. His labs have been good. And uh, he says he's 70% compliant with the program, but I imagine that's much better than what he was. He's, he's a really, you know, he's a businessman. And you know how some people, they're really driven and, and they just, they don't really, he's young he, and he wasn't really taking good care of his health. And that's how he developed his problem, I think. And so he's much more aware. And so he's, he's doing good, he's doing good. and. Um, so any of these conditions, yeah, diet and lifestyle, that is, that's just your go-to given starting place. You have to have a good, healthy diet. People are asking if you guys can do a demonstration and show how to make your tortillas. Yeah, so we are actually in the midst of trying to film um, that. We, in our, in our um, online course, we have, or once you buy the book, once you buy the book, um, we have a video that we will send to people um, that shows you how to make these tortillas. Um, the potato quinoa, we show you how to make that one. And then this is a new one that we haven't um, released that recipe yet, but um, it's, it's a real tasty one too. And we'll, we'll share that one soon. If, if you are on Facebook, we're at plant-based gut health. And um, if you go to our websites, you can see how to get more information about the course. Uh, it's like 20 lectures, plus all the, the video demonstrations on how to make every recipe from the seven day meal plan. And um, I'm gonna show you, just because Mercy is here, I'm gonna show you, we are filming today about these tortillas. And so, you know, this is something that, this is a tortilla with salad, and then inside is um, the pinto beans. We made it with this new California um, uh, peppers uh, sauce. 
And then this is another dish that we're making with these newer tortillas. It's just a real simple thing that you can make. And we're gonna put a sunflower seed dressing on top of this. Um, pinto beans again with salad. This is a, remember I told you I have a buckwheat granola, a raw buckwheat granola recipe in the book. And this is what this is. We just blend up some coconut with some milk and put that on top and you can, or you can eat this with your smoothie in the morning. We have a smoothie every single day to make sure we get our um, berries. So we get berries every single day. We get greens every single day. We have like a pesto that we have every single day, a green uh, smoothie of some sort. And um, like I showed you the, the flatbreads and um, you know, so we have a, a variety of things. It's not like people are eating um, just salad and um, yeah, it has to be very balanced. So every serving has to be just right for, for the day. So there's servings of different types of group of foods that need to be in the food every day in order to, to be very effective and then you get all the nutrients that you need. Uh, so there is, yeah, very important. So every day we're also getting a legume. So we get like a bean of some sort. Uh, we're getting pseudograins into the diet. Uh, so you're getting like, a lot of protein as well as carbohydrates. We get fat. We don't use any oils in our food. We just get all the food, um, the fat from the food, like avocados and coconut and that kind of thing. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of variety in the diet. Well, that food looks delicious. Well, anyway, you guys, it was so nice to meet you. You're getting nice compliments on your skin. You both look so young. Thank you. Okay, Mercy just turned 60. Really? Congratulations. Not happy birthday. And she just she just retired too. <laughs> of one job. <laughs> well, welcome to the club, Mercy. I turned 60 this year and I went kicking and screaming. I just didn't want to be that old. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You look great. Thank you. Well, you look very young, Dr. Che. Very young. Uh I'm I'm 40. Eight. Wow, I, you look yeah. like you're in. You look like you're in college. So you guys, look you know, great. that's the blessing of these diets. You know, and it really does keep you young. I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, I think so. I really do. I see a difference. I live in a gated retirement community, and and people always wondering what me and my husband are doing here. They think we're visitors and not residents. Oh. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. So I've, I've got all the links posted for the book, the tortillas for your uh, center so they can they can check it out. So it's so nice to meet you. Yeah, if you ever want to come back and do a cooking demo, people love to see how to make the food. That's uh, We actually have one today at two o'clock where they're going to make something called, I've never heard of this recipe. It's spelled D-H-O-K-L-A, Dokla. It's a spicy steamed lentil bread with the flavors of India served with a mint chutney. So that's happening at two o'clock with Chef Sherry. So thank you so much, Mercy and thank Dr. You. Che. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Come back in a couple hours for a wonderful cooking demo. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.